another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. And before we get started, I want to thank everybody for listening and also thank the contributors to my show, who are executive producers Candice Anderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, Ms. Aida, author of A List of Demonic Names, A Pocket Guide for Paranormal, Investigator, Exorcist, Psychic, and Metaphysical Practitioner. Also, Monthly co-host Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us. And this episode is being sponsored by Ginger Glasser. And you can find Ginger at tarotbyginger.com. And I highly recommend her if you have major decisions coming up in your life or issues that you cannot figure out. I totally recommend uh, contacting her at, at tarotbyginger.com and she can help look at some of the energies that are surrounding things and give it the correct guidance. And now, without further ado, our guest for today is Cynthia Sue Larson. Thank you for coming on, Sue. Ah, my pleasure, Gary. Cynthia. <laughs> so, it's okay. So, um, one, I want to really thank you. You know, we, we, we started this episode late because of technical issues and then I had forgot to hit the record button, so we did part of an interview and didn't hit record. And Cynthia just completed a blessing that was absolutely phenomenal and brought me to tears. And I'm really grateful for it. And uh, I don't know. Let's talk a little bit about just what happened. I guess like like what did we what did you just do? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Well, if you call it bringing heaven to earth or blessing or clearing. All those things are technical names for it. Uh, just noticing, first of all, that things seem to be going kind of funky. Understatement. <laughs> so, <clears throat> without going into all the details of that. But when stuff like that happens, sometimes it's possible to, you know, if, if you're inspired and if you feel like this might be a moment where a blessing could help, just to remember, basically, that what some of us know, which is it's only ever myself and creator, source. And when you know that, and if you, even if you don't know that, if you're willing to all oh, entertain that thought, <laughs> if you're able to entertain that idea, what you're capable of doing is nothing short of just bringing that divine source love energy fully into every aspect of your being and of all of your connections, your home, everyone and everything you love. And it can restore a sense of grace and peace and balance and joy and love that otherwise we tend to forget even exists. Absolutely. And we were also talking, you know, like you had, remember like what it was like pre-birth. I have had a near-death experience. So, you know, like I know that during that experience, you know, I had some type of realization that we're living in some type of um, bubble of consciousness is the best way that I can describe the creator or whatever's creating this is just some kind of consciousness and it's it's just manifesting because that's what consciousness does um, but at the center of it there there is divine peace and love 
And there's people, I mean, I guess that never experienced it in their lifetime or remember it or whatever. And then there's those that do. And, and both come with its own unique struggles. Can we talk a little bit about that? Oh, yes. Yeah, the struggles can seem real. It can seem like what the stuff we're dealing with is all-consuming. It can feel like the problem is bigger than us. It can feel like this relationship is toxic or you're... I don't want to say the things that people can feel, but they can go into some dark places, let's put it that way. And so um, the struggle, when I say it seems like it's real, it's because to me, um, having clearly remembered what it's like between lives, um, I, I can see now the value of that in this pandemic and in these crazy changing times right now, um, better than I've ever seen it. But when I was a little girl, I just wanted to go back and hang out with the Creator. I wanted to go back and hang out with the Divine Love. I felt like, I'm not needed here. Someone else can handle this stuff. And so basically, when I was five, I figured out how to get back to Heaven. I figured out how to kill myself effectively without mangling myself. You know, it, it, I saw it was a precision job, but I could do it. I could just make sure as long as my head got smashed and crushed by a heavy enough car fast enough, mm-hmm. I could be dead and not mangled. So it was like, okay, I can do this. And once I'd figured that out, then, and remember, I'm five, so, you know, I, please you know, be kind with me. I'm kind with myself. I'm like, my gosh. I, now I hope I wouldn't, I mean, I'm not suicidal now, but I have no fear of death. That hasn't changed. I, I love being between lives. Okay, but um, what happened next is I had an angelic intervention. Time slowed down to a stop because I'm thinking, well, I'll just enjoy life, you know, for maybe maybe another week, a few more days anyway. And But be- I didn't even get back to my bedroom. I was just walking back in the house feeling good, like I've figured this out. <laughs> but then time slowed down. Like, and then these, these glowing, um, beautiful, effervescent, sort of um, iridescent, big blobs of love and light are surrounding me and I'm like oh hi you know these angelic beings they're saying you have a choice yes you can choose fast which is what I was doing fast fast life I'm in I'm out or you can choose slow long life and I'm like because they're talking to a five-year-old and I said well I think I know what I'm choosing and they said well wait a minute wait a minute you might want to consider a few things number one your parents will never get over this they'll be depressed like forever if this if you choose fast and I, I thought well they'll get over it you know surely they'll get over it and the angels then they move on to the next thing and you won't be helping all the people that you came here to help you know there are lots of them you won't be doing that I said they'll find someone else <laughs> and then the third thing this is what got me I'm five I keep using this as a defense the third thing is what got me believe it or not it was you'll be back you'll lose your five-year head start. And to that, I was like, no, five <laughs> years. It's already felt like infinity. Like, no. They're like, oh, yes. Like, I chose to be here? Oh, yes. And you'll lose the five years. And I'm like, well, that's unthinkable, intolerable. So I just had some demands, though, um, before they left. I said, okay, I'll stay. But I'm, I need to hear you guys. I need you guys to be with me. I need it because this is really a hard assignment. You know, this is hard to be here. It's, I didn't use the word assignment, but this is hard. I need to. I need you to show up. I need you to be here. They said we will be. And so that's been a blessing for me personally that I can not only remember that peace and that divinity and that love between 
you know, it's what, what we go back to, what we came from. It's who we really are. I know that. And I never lost it. And now I also get the perk of um, my angels crack me up when things are really awful. They always make me smile, you know. They can usually cut through even my fog, which is can be pretty thick. So we humans, we, we build up a lot of mental fog around ourselves. We do it to ourselves without noticing. Mm. And then we mess each other up, too. Interesting. Um, I have a little trouble, like, asking for help. I don't know why. You know, like... You know, I mentioned I, I believe that the universe is like this bubble of consciousness. So there's no reason why I wouldn't think that this consciousness has other consciousness existing that I can interact with and ask for help. I mean, it, it's certainly not outside the realm of possibility. I mean, especially considering how long this has been going on. You know, um, but I don't know. It, it, there's, there's. It's almost like a trust issue. Because sometimes I think, like, I didn't sign up for this, did I? Yeah. No, seriously, that's, like, the number one problem that humans have. It's um, There's a name for it, which might... I mean, you're looking at, like, mistrust. Mm -hmm. The main problem most people have is pride, which is similar. So it's just that feeling kind of like, I mean, I'm doing this on my own. And we have free will. It's a, it's a God-given gift. It's like what Source gave us, free will. But then what we tend to do with it without noticing is we, well, you know, we're children, so we, we're going through stages of growing up. We gain some autonomy, and we start um, running a little bit of muck with that. We see it in our politicians. Sometimes it's hard to see it in ourselves. Like, how am I running amok with pride? But most that's usually the number one thing. It's just not asking for help, thinking that each of us can do everything ourselves. Um, when you realize that truth, that it's only ever you and the source, it's only ever you and love, then you start realizing how big that love is, how big that source is. Um, it's big. So, and when you realize, oh, so there's that. It's another way to live other than trying to do it all yourself. It's, um, it's a balance. You can think of it like, do some things yourself and give it to source and do a little tiny thing yourself and then give it to source. So it's like breathing. We breathe in, we breathe out. We're awake, we're asleep, we're receiving, we're giving. So it's part of a flow. Mm -hmm. So it's meant to be that way. And if you know that, like, yes, I do things for myself and then I receive blessings from the cosmos, the universe. Do things for myself and then I receive blessings. So it's just recognizing that that too is like walking, left foot, right foot. It's just a rhythm. And then you can um, keep the refusing to ask for help piece every, you know, it's a period of time. It's like, okay, I'm not helping for I'm not asking for help right now. And then you get to a place, and now I receive blessings and help. And now I'm doing it all myself. So it can just be a rhythm. And that's, that's great. Yeah. I. Pride is definitely the issue for me. Um, why do we even have it, you think? Like, why? Is that block put there on purpose to keep us disconnected? I tend to think of it as a growth phase more, um, mostly, but I'm not sure. I don't really know the answer. When I when I've looked, I've wondered about this because it does seem like it's humanity's biggest problem. Um, 
I mean, sometimes other people might argue, no, it's lack of ethics <laughs> or something like that. And I've, I can see that too. But if you look at what if it is pride? What if it's just humanity's um, hubris, that idea that we can solve this ourselves? You know, if we've got this problem, no worries, we'll bring science in and solve it. And I think people are starting to become a little disenchanted with our solutions, whether it's science, politics, it doesn't matter what field the experts are in. I think people are skeptical, rightfully so, of any human experts. Yeah. And I think I've never seen such a realization on such a mass scale of that as we're seeing right now. And, and, and so if you're wondering, was it put there for a reason? Maybe so. Maybe in order, it's like, I can imagine the creator saying, okay, you guys, I'll give you free will. But, you know, I'm, just to make this interesting, I'm also going to give you the free will with the sense that you're pretty much doing everything on your own. You're like little gods yourselves. So I'll build that right in there too and see if anybody notices. <laughs> and that strikes me as something. And to me, that's why it's a learning thing. I don't think it's a curse. I don't think it's anything like that. It's more like, can you figure this little puzzle out? Have you noticed yet? Can we seen past the reflection in the mirror? You're looking in the mirror, you see you, but do you see me yet? The creator's asking, do you see me? Yeah, I, I think it's a big could. question. I wish yeah. I could always see that. Um, I had a question. I forgot it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, like, like, what do you think it is that, that, that the creator wants us to do? Like, like what, is it he, what, what is it he wants us to do? Is it, he just wants us to express love and healing and things like that? Or does he want us to have these experiences and learn from it? Or sometimes, I mean, to me, it feels like, you know, other than the near-death experience where it felt really good, sometimes I wonder, like, is this just a punishment? <laughs> right. Yeah, for those of us who remember it, I, I, I get what you're saying. If people haven't been through a near-death experience, they might. Well, I think nowadays a lot of people would agree with what you're saying. <laughs> Previously, people would say, he's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Not so much nowadays, right? Okay. Uh, well... I, I, to me, it looks like a learning experience. You know, that whole thing. I got clues with what the angels told me when I was five. Clues in what they were showing me. Uh, it, obviously, my presence matters in my family tremendously, much more than I realize. And I've been back and forth with angels about that over the decades, saying, like, well, I don't think it makes any difference at all. And they just laugh and laugh and laugh. My angels just crack up, like, ha, ha, ha. So then I know I am making a difference but I don't see it. So that's also part of this interesting game or puzzle or learning experience we're in. Like we can make a difference, but often we don't even fully know what difference we made until we're going through the full life review. And then we see it like, oh, good. And it's a little bit like that wonderful movie, Defending Your Life, with, if you've, ever, if you've never seen it, what a treat. I think it's beautiful. It's a love story set in the afterlife. It all starts where two people die and they're, they're going to Judgment City. <laughs> and it's, I, I think you can enjoy this movie re regardless what your religion is, as long as you can laugh and, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. be entertained by these sorts of things. And so it's just a wonderful comedy about um, taking that look at the full life review. And it's a little different. It's playful, but it's thought-provoking. So it's not exactly like this is what I remember. It's not like that. But it is designed to get you to take a look at what are you afraid of in your life and are you facing 
those seeming blockages that are there? Are you working through them? Are you becoming more compassionate, more loving? Is it, Are you becoming how good can I get each day? Are you choosing that for yourself? Are you making it an active part of your own growth? And I know that's what God is asking each of us to do, is to connect in our relationships with one another and with, with Source and with all aspects of ourselves. And it's such a beautiful opportunity to do this. And that's really what it's all about. Hmm. You know? So a lot of your books you know, are about... I don't know, using this to be able to get desired results in our lives. And I know some of your books have been recently, too, about the Mandela effect, which I've recently also did another interview where I covered that in depth. How, you know, I don't know. Like one, one, one of the things like with that stuff is, like, you know, are we living on one timeline? Or is there a whole bunch of these on different timelines? And... Can I control what happens and, and jump back and forth kind of thing? Um, or am I just stuck in, stuck in this uh, cycle? And like, how do we use that to get some of the things that we want? Like, yeah. That's a big question. <laughs> well, well if you, I don't know if your guests that previously talked about flip-flops, reality shift flip-flops. Yeah, that's yeah. like, okay, that's fantastic. Because when you're in... Like, I think that's the sweet spot for a, you know, very high level manifester is to notice I'm looking at something, it's going one way, now it's going another. We've seen that with things like, I've seen it personally with our store Costco here in California, C-O-S-T-C-O, mm -hmm. then it would be Costco, and it would be back to Costco with a T. It was like going back and forth. Some people see it with Chick-fil-A, I'm mentioning brand names. In my life, I was looking out the window of my house, of my dining room, and I could see my neighbor's roof. And um, so I was surprised one day to notice they had leaf protectors on the gutters. And I was like, wow, that's so weird. When did that happen? That would have been like a whole crew and lots of noise. It must have happened when I was gone. I don't remember that, anything like that. And then I looked again, and it was gone. And I looked again, it was doing a flip-flop thing. And I mentioned it to other family members here in the household, and they noticed it too. So this is very interesting when you're seeing the flip-flop. Mm -hmm. I call it a sweet spot because then another flip-flop was with our family dog, who occasionally I, I saw was just visiting with the, with the dog. He's passed on now, but um, it was out in the backyard, hugging the dog, looking in his eyes, and then they were getting cloudy, like with cataracts. And I just thought, no. I don't want you to lose your vision like that and go blind. I love you, an old dog, but I want your vision to be perfect. I love you. And I looked at his eyes, and they were clear. I thought, good. And then um, we, the two other family members at the time, my husband and my daughter, came separately each time saying, Mom, it's my daughter, bad news about the dog. And I said, is it his eyes? She said, yes. And I just told her what to do. Don't worry about it. We're just seeing it go back and forth. Just feel how much you love the dog, and he needs his vision. He'll have it. So she, no problem. And the same thing with my husband. But we're in that kind of a household where you can notice that these realities, um, these timelines, they're right there. Uh, you can sometimes see evidence of them. You can actually see, like you're going back and forth, you're on the cusp of a timeline. Kind of like, you know, are we going this way or that way? And you can choose. And, and what I bring in is the love, and that's what locks in, for me, the realities where you have the prosperity, you have the good health, 
Um, like I, I pulled through long COVID and that's definitely a huge part of that for me, of course, choosing the timeline where I'm going to recover. I'm going to learn from this. I'll, I'll come out of it with gifts, you know, great gifts that I can share with humanity, which is, seems to be the case. And it's not hubris, that pride trap again. I know it's not just about me. There are other people that will be doing this too. And we'll all together collectively be able to help avert what otherwise could have been a much bigger issue. So that's my path through it, is noticing the timelines both can exist. And without getting sucked into the drama, like going into uh, recognizing it feels sometimes like a war, right? Um, it can feel that way. And I know people that say that, and that seems accurate in some ways. Uh, but even so, even if that's the case, then you, I would choose to be on the side that's uh, working with love. Yeah, that's always the side that I'm working with. Hmm. So how, how when we, we go through that flip-flop on timelines, we get to choose which one we stay on? And what happens to the person on the other timeline? Uh, these are excellent philosophical questions. Um, but I myself, am a, I'm a multitude. So there are many, 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 many possible me's. If you've ever yes. had that experience where you wake up and you feel like I'm a slightly different me than I was yesterday. And that can be cool. I'm constantly asking how good can it get? How good can I get? So it's going to happen where I wake up and feel like, whoa, this is different. And that's cool. I, I'm like, I realize my consciousness is far bigger than any physical body or any single timeline. And so, okay, that, that may be a wild concept to grok, because um, right. we tend to think, um, like, what? <laughs> like, I, I am my experiences. Um, no, you remember your experiences. You are bigger than that, and you're capable of remembering multiple histories and experiences. Mm. So when we know that, and we know that each and every one of us has free will, then subjective realities are chaotically creating sort of a mishmash of all sorts of things going on in the world and uh, we're sorting our way through it um, by bringing coherence of love uh, that's my favorite way again to strengthen relationships even with someone who seems crazy just just give them love um, uh, even if someone seems angry with you or afraid of you or or feels victimized by you just give them love and recognize that they're going through their journey. You know, each of us is really experiencing different histories. We see that with the Mandela effect big time, because even experiencers of the Mandela effect don't necessarily have exactly the same Mandela effects. So it's not like we're all together going through different worlds, to some degree, sort of, but not necessarily in lockstep. Mm. And that's fascinating. But it is weird. Like most of us remember Mandela dying. Um, one of the other things that I remember is like there being a dash in the kid back bar. I remember Jif, um, peanut butter being Jiffy. So, you know, and, and these are very common throughout. I mean, there's, there's like 65% of people remember these things. They do. And the sun used to be more of a yellow, soft color, and now it's like blinding white and the kidneys aren't where we remember that they used to be. They seem like they're, I remember a kidney punch meant, you know, someone might start bleeding, um, you know, in their urine. And it was like the where you put your hands when you're tired on the small of your back. Mm -hmm. 
now the kidneys, they're not there anymore. They've moved to the relative safety of the rib cage. They've moved up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's wild. So it's like we're getting uh, real-time upgrades in our body. And maybe we're getting upgrades all over the place. It seems like a lot of these little logo changes are just kind of meant as a wink and a smile, kind of like, are you noticing? Like things can change. If that can change, can you relax into this experience of recognizing that bigger things can change too? You'll be okay with that. Hmm. So, you know, like been sort of back before the show, you were, you know, contacting spirit guides and, you know, the energy of the universe and God to come and cleanse and heal. Yes. Um, how did you learn how to do that? Uh-huh. Um, that's a good question. And it's, I, I guess you could say working with source, working with angels is, is how I learned. Uh, some of it, it's like a, a memory. Um, some of the skills that sets that I have, I think I keep expecting everyone knows how to do this and they don't. But I, my most recent past life is in a, it's in a past life, a possible future 500 years from now. It was about 540 years forward from when I was actually born. So um, it means I've, I've also got some um, built-in kind of like just reflexes where I instantly know what to do um, when, you know, it was a dystopian future. So mm-hmm. the central AI that was running things was trying to find people like me that were renegades that were not part of that central AI oppressive control structure. So, um, so I have a lot of built-in facilities um, naturally, mm-hmm. which you um, which have to do with reality selection, noticing that there are multiple histories, noticing that love is the key. So, um, and then part of how I came back to this timeline was something called the God Project in that possible dystopian future, where there was still one human left that had chosen to opt out of all of the upgrades. And um, originally part of a you know, wealthy family, kind of like a Rockefeller descendant, but she was a good person. So even the name, it, so we don't need to get all worked up like, oh, that's an evil family. Okay, maybe, but in the future, she was kind of the only human left. And so... And she was saying, this whole thing is a mistake, <laughs> which I agreed with. Like, yeah, we've been taken over by technology and we're losing our humanness. So uh, that was such an intense experience for me that I wanted to stay a long time between lives. I didn't want to come rushing back in to another human life, especially still remembering that and that beautiful bliss of being between lives, kind of like a double whammy. So my skill set comes from those experiences, both, and then also talking with angels. How do you connect with the angels and spirit guides, and can anybody do it? Yeah, anybody can do it because they're always there. Uh, Everybody has guides that it was like your team that you came in with. Um, If you feel like they're not clear enough, you can can request like new guidance. You can say, okay, I'm having trouble hearing you. I need like a translator angel, someone that can speak my language. You, you can totally do that. Um, they, they're listening all the time. And so the way it works is with your own conscious agency. That's how I was able to do what we did before the show started today. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for conscious agents. Um, it's a skill set that I got in the future. And how do you, so I'm, I'm seeking conscious agents. I'm looking to see 
kind of like a thought field pattern of um, a being that is exerting free will in the dream space that's beneath reality. This physical world is not quite real. And so what, what is real is the, the dream space that angels occupy. Angels and other winged things. Right? When I say other winged things, other conscious agents that are disruptive. They, they, they do, instead of being honest like angels, they lie. Instead of cleaning things up and making everything better like angels, they make it worse. Um, instead of bringing you into that feeling of bliss and love and peace and balance, the other ones are going to needle you and make you feel like you made mistakes. And you'll be, before you know it, dwelling in a downward spiral <laughs> and getting in, involved in drama where you're feeling sad and angry and frightened. So if, so that's how you can tell the two kinds of conscious agents. I'm just making it simple. So then if you notice, like, okay, I'm hearing the wrong kind here, Cynthia, um, then I would say starts, you might be infested with it. So I would, if it was me, I'd just get a glass of drinking water, shake some table salt into the glass of water, keep it next to your sink, and it'll start doing some of the work for you. I know that sounds crazy, but... Um, just trust me on this one. It makes you um, cognizant of the fact that you are symbolically cleaning your home. You're starting now. It's like, okay, no more of that stuff. And so, and then just dump the, that salt water down the drain every day or two or three. So this kind of a simple physical practice anchors everything. And then the rest of it is simply paying attention. How are you feeling? And are you getting, you know, are, do you have that symbolic angel or a little devil on your shoulder? Which one are, are you welcoming in? And I would recommend don't ever, ever, ever welcome in those negative ones. If it's doing any of that stuff, I have zero tolerance for it. Wow. Well, you know, that's where I think maybe I sometimes fail because I, I just give in to simple pleasure. And it's harder for me to resist. Well, pleasure itself is not necessarily a disaster. Um, the trouble that I see comes in with the what I'm calling drama, where we start feeling like those 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 emotions that can pull us off course. Why do they pull us off course? Because if you feel sad for too long, you can start feeling like a victim. If you feel anxious for too long, you can start feeling like 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 things are terrible here, and I'm going to save the world, becoming the rescuer on the drama triangle. And if you feel angry too long, like I know what's wrong and what's broken, and these guys, I, I know exactly who did what. You know, if you feel like that, then you're the the one who's um, the perpetrator on the drama triangle. So, if you're if you're just minding your your own life and you're you're not succumbing to any off balance condition, such as the seven deadly sins, or such as the Buddhist torments. So if, if seeking pleasure in itself is not a disaster is what I'm saying, but if it becomes sloth or gluttony or any of the, you know, those are the seven deadly sins, or there are hundreds of torments. <laughs> the Buddhists are very specific yes. about, <laughs> like, oh, you're seeking pleasure in this wrong way. Like, oh, brother, okay. <laughs> They'll have specifics for you. <laughs> like how Eskimos have many names for snow. Mm -hmm. So if there's negative entities, demons at work. Does that mean that there is a hell and a devil? Well, um, yeah, I guess so. But but here's the thing. if you Even if you look within the Christian modality, which is a good one, then you can see 
Who is the devil? Originally just the same level as any of the archangels. Okay, one devil is like the archangel. How many archangels do we have? I routinely work with four of them, at least. So you got Michael, Gabriel, Uriel, Raphael. And so you've got four to one right there, plus you've got God. So it's kind of like, okay, they have powers, perhaps, but it's not going to be able to you know, override the intention of the cosmos itself, which is basically positive. It's very optimistic. If you look at, if people are listening and they don't like Christianity, no problem, then seek out the work of philosopher Nicholas Rescher. He wrote a book called Axiogenesis. I don't think he ever mentions the word God in the book. So it's perfect for an atheist. And I love atheists. There's nothing wrong with being an atheist. You know, so if their heart, like, I don't like this whole talk about God and stuff, fine. You know, just totally look at it like a philosophical problem. Why is there anything at all? Why does anything exist? And why, you know, once we start looking at that question, where is everything going? Nicholas Rescher in Axiogenesis takes, he adopts a positive strategy, such as um, one of the two gentlemen who invented calculus. And his name is Leibniz. And so he was one of the first positive philosophers. Um, but this matters a lot. Philosophy matters a lot. Because once you start looking at maybe everything is here for a good reason, it changes everything. And like I said, the book Axiogenesis does not mention God, but it doesn't have to. It, it takes you right there anyway. Um, you know, but from a place in a way that an atheist could gladly recognize, okay, there's something to this. And so then you've got Robert Lanza is um, popularizing this idea that everything is conscious and um, maybe if everything's sentient, then everything's maybe evolving in a good way. But he's really taking the ideas of Leibniz, the process philosopher and the optimalist that Leibniz is, and also Nicholas Rescher. So I want to give credit to these philosophers. Uh, but from my point of view, when I look for conscious agents, I'm looking at angels and devils. I'm seeing that, literally. So, But I'm not expecting everyone can hear or see that. It seems like it's a God-given gift. So, But they'll listen. If you ask them to go away, they have they have to listen. Do they have um, to obey us? Like, do we have domain over them, or do they have domain over us? Well, here it's a little bit like if you go to a dog obedience training class, and you, and the shock arises, like, oh my gosh, I thought I was here to train my dog, and then you, usually at some point you learn, no, it's really about training you. Uh, so your dog will respect you, and so it looks sounds like you know what you're doing, <laughs> and you're you're authoritative in a commanding presence, positive way, that's meaningful, firm, and that you're exerting, not dominance in an oppressive way, but you're exerting your free will in a way that's um, collaborative and communicative and overall a net positive for everybody. So a similar thing happens in martial arts, which I've also studied and practiced. Mm -hmm. um, so when you do martial arts, you'll learn it's all about respect. So if you're sparring with someone, you're witnessing, you're, you're seeing where they're coming from. How is their balance? What's going on? Um, you bow to begin sparring if it's a martial arts match because you're not trying to kill each other. You're just learning to work with and respect one another and learn as you go. So whichever way you want to look at it, um, the conscious agents that I see, they respect me when I respect myself they listen to me when I listen to all of myself. And I think that where a lot of people are is they don't yet know um, 
that they are their head, their heart, their gut, and a lot more. You know, if you look at all of the levels of consciousness that you contain, it's you are a multitude. And so learning to trust your gut, trust your heart, and come together so that what you crave and long for is also what you love and also is what you need, then you're aligned. When you greet another conscious agent and you're aligned, they respect you. They look at you and they know instantly. This one respects itself. This one knows who this one is. Okay, what did you want? And then you also have the ability to exert um, you know, conscious agency to clear a space. But you can't do it unless you really know who you are. Who are we? Are we all the same? Or are we all different? We each have, um, we, we, we know the answer to that internally. We know that we are connected, yet we're also individual. Like we each have that deep knowingness of it. It's kind of like, it, but it's such a mystery because it's a Zen koan. How can we be connected yet be individual? <laughs> it's, I don't know how to answer that. That's a good question. Meaning it's a good Zen koan. Yeah. You know, some of the things that you, you talk about too is, is a bit on the Taoist side. You know, sometimes I got wonder, you know, like, Taoism can be kind of confusing because, you know, it's about going with the flow, which means you just kind of let go and go with it and don't resist it. Um, you know, versus people who are trying to manifest. Like, or do those think two types of philosophies, when we're talking about philosophy, that's sort of what popped into my mind, are those two philosophies opposing, or can those two philosophies work together? Well, for me, a spiritual approach, which you could call it Taoist, um, but it also, what I believe sounds Christian, sounds Abrahamic a little bit too. It's got pieces of all of that. <laughs> but, but what I like is re respecting my higher self, so knowing that my own conscious agency, which is contained in my seven chakras, you know, between the top of my head to the base of my sacrum, you know, the spine. So this this containment field that I am, that, that can be measured, you know, it has a heart field and so forth. Heart math measures the, the field effect from our heart itself, which is huge. And it basically looks like our energy field, you know, it's out there, arms length away around our body. So, if I notice that I am all these levels of self and I've got a neural center in my brain, I've got neurons, neural center in my heart, got a neural center in my gut. I also have diaphragms at each level. This is getting really interesting at that point. So if I notice like, okay, if I've got this, again, I, I see that as a clue. Okay, it's kind of like, um, spoiler alert, you have a high self. There's a part of you that's leveled up above who's not telling you what to do but you're growing into like an angelic version of, of, of your physical self, um, the astral, the etheric, the, but, but actually sentient, that you have conscious agency at a higher level. So on the step where I'm using my willful agency thing, like, like law of attraction or whatever, I'm attracting good things into my life. Nothing wrong with that. You know, the hubris, the pride and all that. I'm taking a step forward with, you know, with my left brain. Great. But then on the right brain side, on the receiving yin, feminine, and now I'm willing to receive all the blessings that my high self and the angels now provide. And then the next step is like, okay, and I'm doing law of attraction. I'm going to set the um, intentions and affirmations and very actively 
change my vibration to bring what I most love into my life. And then the next step, like, and I relax and I trust that uh, just as I bless others, the universe now blesses me and I receive what I need to receive in this moment. So it's like a step of faith and a step of agency, kind of like walking like that. And that's the way I work with conscious agents too. I listen to them. I'm not just telling them what to do and yelling over them. I listen, but if they're doing the blah, 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 that sounds like this is pure demon stuff, then can't listen to that for very long. So round them up and move them out. And I'm pretty sure that's how all conscious agents are dealing with all other conscious agents. And we don't hear about this much, except there was this wonderful book written by a lady that was losing her mind, I guess, called Operators and Things. I think it's out of print, but when she wrote this book, she was describing conscious agents. And and it sounded nuts, you know, basically noticing people are moving like automatons and they're just things. It's like people are acting like what we would now call um, NPCs, you know, and people look at the simulation theory and say some people are not really there. It's like they're zombies or something. So they call them NPCs. She was calling them things. Mm. And uh, she was describing basically angels and demons are running the show. And only a few people wake up and realize I can be a conscious agent too. But she, I don't think she uses the words conscious agent. But it's such a good book because it illustrates the whole thing. Hmm. Can a person go from being an NPC to a conscious agent? Conscious agent. It's anything's doable. Um, yes. I think I haven't seen the movie, but there's that Free Guy movie, and I think he's uh, like basically a character in a game becomes conscious. <laughs> what a great, great concept, great story. So, um, yeah, I know it's anything's possible, and obviously, if we're here to learn, and many of us seem like we're not fully present by observing examples of others who are becoming conscious agents and actively rising above just being a thing, some automaton zombie thing, then we are setting good examples. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that gives hope, I think. Yes. Um, so when you do this work, how... I mean, when we did when you did something earlier with me, I totally felt something. Yeah. You know, there's no denying that that I, I you know I felt something, but at the same time, it's like it's like okay, well, I felt something, but did I imagine it or was it real, or is there any difference between what I'm imagining and real? Because maybe I'm just imagining reality anyway. We are imagining reality anyway. That's that's exactly what's happening. Now we see it with the Mandela effect, kind of like winking back at us, like, look, we're changing things willy-nilly. Stuff you know for sure used to be a certain way. I'm laughing because it's like, this is crazy. <laughs> like like Berenstein Bears and Berenstain Bears and everything. Yeah, it's crazy stuff. But it's real. Um, so well, the imaginal realm was a term that was coined by Henri Corbin. And the idea was um, similar to what I was saying earlier about there being a core true nature of reality that's outside of space and time. It's kind of like the true consciousness that is the basis for all that is. Within the field of physics, um, as they try to come up with a unified theory of everything that encompasses not just the very small field of quantum physics, but also all the way out to the large you know, cosmic um, bodies and so forth, 
dealing with relativistic aspects of space-time. Um, what we're finding in physics is that the mathematics um, don't quite mesh. It's like we've got math and science that works really well for the quantum, math and science that works really well for the astronomical, the large. But when you come together, we can't, like here's the sticking point, it's basically quantum gravity. Like how can you quantize something like gravity? And because we don't know, that doesn't even sound like it makes sense, and nobody's quite come up with it. They've tried string theory, extra dimensions, all that stuff. But where it looks like it's going is the same place I'm talking to you about, the same imaginal thing you're talking about. Looks like it's going under the space-time to the field and the math of the amplitudehedrons, where things can be basically solved with consciousness. Um, do, do I know what that looks like? Not mathematically, not in physics yet, but it's exciting because we're seeing the beginning of it right now. Mm -hmm. So there's lots of cool stuff happening in science right now, and that's right up there. Do you think if enough people believe something, that something that they're believing will become real? They can manifest it in some form or fashion, and it can feel real to them. It could, it could even change or deflect, or it could injure them, or it could help them. Yes. So we can create our own little, it's kind of like little robots or stuff. Um, like I saw, there was some YouTube video from several years ago that showed in China, they've got these fake robot AI um, newscasters. Mm -hmm. And so you can, you can create stuff, but unless it's infused with the spirit that actually has a depth and passion and cares we can tell the difference between a robot newscaster, even if they look right, talk right, and they're very measured and all this, and they can be programmed the way the CCP and the Chinese government wants them to say they can do all that stuff. Um, but there's a problem because they don't have that sense of passion, that sense of purpose, mission, caring, really being engaged, um, which is the truth and the deeper reality of what is truly real. So when we connect with our own, that's like, again, like lining up our head, our heart, and our gut, and our high self. When you get all of that lined up, you can start becoming very much like a sacred being, like Buddha or like Jesus Christ. And then you are doing the things that Jesus said that he, that he could do and more. You know, it's that promise that was made. And it's um, the Tibetan Buddhists advise don't get fascinated with these miracles don't get too wrapped up in like, oh my gosh, look, I just changed something in reality. Of course you did. The Tibetan Buddhists would advise, focus back on your meditations. <laughs> you know, don't get swept away with like, oh, I'm like a little demigod. Like, no, that's not what this is about. <laughs> so can you change reality? Absolutely. Um, but that's not the end game. The, so the, the end game is becoming love. Yes. Hmm. It's for us to discover, you know. So for me, that's what it is. And each of us can make our own choice. And to the degree we make other choices, we go down those, those little paths. But to me, the choice is clear. <laughs> you know, what kind of cosmos would I wish to live in? It would be one that's, that feels like your near-death experience. It feels like my between-lives experience. That's where I need to be. And I know it's real. So therefore, I need to bring it in. I need to become that. And by becoming it, then I model it and I show the way. 
and it becomes choosable for other people too, not forced. It's, it's not something that's wasted on people. Um, well, when is, are there any signs or, or things that that people should look out for? Yeah, I think listening to uh, reading symbols and reading signs is very important. And people can start with their dreams because they might not know how do you do this in real life. Well, you can do it in real life with synchronicities. You can do it by noticing numbers repeating. Like on a clock, you might see 111 or 222 or 333. Um, so it's, it, it's a process of engaging these levels of self again and noticing that there's something bigger going on. So we get in a dream, when you wake up and you say, okay, I remember my dream, but as usual, it was nuts. It makes no sense. That's, that's okay. You can do a dream analysis to take a look at the dream elements, the symbols of the dream, which would be uh, first writing the narratives. That's step one. Just write the whole dream out. Like, like first, I, was, I dreamt I was flying and I saw a bird flying next to me. We were over a city. The next thing I know, I'm down in a building and it's got a golden dome on the top. Okay, so you're starting to describe a dream like that. So the first is the narrative. The second step is break out all the dream elements. Like, like, like first one, I am flying. I am next to a bird. So it's like I, I'm flying. There's bird, um, rooftops, golden dome, you know. So it's kind of like a word or two. And then the third step, you can do free association. So you actually read what those symbols mean to you. This is really important because each of us knows what symbols mean to us. And you can look them up if you feel like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, okay, just to get a jump start, you can consult like a dream book or something. But it's much better if you do a true free association. What does flying mean for me? That's freedom. Um, next to a bird, that means that's spirit for me. You know, and, but, but I just be free associating. So flying, it's like, it's like freedom, it's um, it's um, air, wind. I'm just writing down things that come to mind. Um, you know, exhilarating, a little nerve-wracking, you know, like like fully present, like something I feel like I'm really there. And then the bird, you know, it, to me it feels like spirit, it feels like animal, um, wisdom, uh, you know, all the different things. Maybe the color of it might come to mind. It's like, oh, it's a white bird, you know, so it's divine messenger, you know, stuff like that. And then rooftops, it's kind of like consciousness, you know, golden rooftop, um, that would be like, oh, divine consciousness. And so, and then you put, the next step is you put it all together. So the fourth step is a dream analysis where you say, okay, there's a new narrative here in the free association. So that dream that just sounded like some crazy dream, it's all about freedom. It's about recognizing spirits right here with me. I'm looking down on all of global humanity consciousness, those rooftops, and I see there are some golden ones here. Some people are choosing to bring in divine consciousness. And I, I just, I'm not making this up. This dream just came to me like I'm channeling it. I, I didn't actually have that dream, but it's now yeah, I'm noticing this is perfect. It's what we're talking about. And, and that's the other thing you'll notice in real life. Once you get good at doing dreams, then you can start decoding daily life. And you might think, that's nuts. Like, maybe but maybe not, you know, <laughs> maybe look at things that are happening and recognize if this was a dream, if this was my dream, what would this mean to me? And in some real sense, this is your dream. Mm -hmm. We are all dreaming together. Which is completely bizarre, you know, 
one of the reason, thing, ways I like describing things is like, it's like a dream inside of a dream inside of a dream. It just keeps on going forever. Yeah, it's so fractal, right? It's like, it's like nested dolls or something. Yeah. Hmm. It does go forever. And we're, in a way, we're waking up inside the dream, finding love within the dream, realizing we were always here within the dream, and we're never alone. That love is here. Relationships can be much better than even the ones that we've realized so far. You know, there's a purity and a divinity that can come through. We can encourage that to happen. How do we do that? How do we encourage those things to happen? Well, I've got this favorite catchphrase that I, I, I say it so often because I'd love it to be like a mantra. How good can it get? And it's just the heartfelt passion and love to know how good can life get? How good can this waking dream get? How good can these relationships get with ourselves, with each other? And by asking that, or um, when you really need to know, when you feel like, I need to know how good it can get, I think I've seen enough of the other stuff now. You know, like, okay, done with that. <laughs> you know, I'd like to order something different. And what I'd like to order is, how good can it get? And and, you have, and when you feel it with a need, and that's the trick. A lot of humans, we've, we're not there yet. Believe it or not, they haven't suffered enough. Um, if it were me personally, I feel like I've had enough of this, whatever it may be. It's like, but, but you know, I'm the one that wanted to go hang out with the creator anyway. I was ready, I was done as soon as I got here, like done with this place. But then they were very clear, no, you're needed. So like, okay. But um, anyway, when you know, without any doubt, that you need to experience how good it can get for you, for everyone. And you feel like, yeah, that's exactly what I need to know. And when you're sort of on fire with that desire, with that need, and it's just burning, it, it just sort of like ignition happens. You start feeling like that is my main true desire. Without being specific, then it can become general. And then you can recognize that's my focus. That's my, 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 my everything. You know, I need to experience that. What does that mean? Um, you know, different things for different people, but without getting caught up in all the specifics, for me, it feels like bringing the, the divine aspects of the creator into every aspect of myself and daily life. So it's just a huge invocation, if you will, of goodness, of love, peace, joy, and just saying this is what matters most. When you say that, it's, like, it's to me like when I'm, if I ask myself how good can this get, it's like reframing everything. Because most of the days I just look at things and I'm like, how bad is this going to get? Yeah, that's more typical, it's certainly in our Western culture. And and people will say things like, like, gosh, that went wrong, and then this went wrong. Now what? What next? It's like they're expecting the third thing. Like, okay, one, they come in threes. Or you'll hear people mm -hmm. say stuff like that. But what if we just say, like, cancel, cancel, enough of that. <laughs> I think we've all done enough of that stuff. What if we're just going to turn this around and instead say, how good can it get? How amazing, how wonderful, how blessed can this get? Really welcoming those blessings, that love, that creative spark energy in everywhere. And if you notice there's some resistance in you, that's good to notice too. And it's nothing to be ashamed of. It's just no. we've been inculcated in our culture, in our families, 
um, with a great deal of negativity and to the point that we think that's normal or we're habituated to it. So it feels like this, I'm used to living in slime. <laughs> so, you know, because we're used to it, it's hard to climb out of it. So by asking how good can it get, then you're just getting a, the slime clears a little bit, you know. And little by little, you start feeling like you're walking on beautiful green grass and there are rainbows and unicorns. But it, it's a process. You don't just go from the slime to the unicorns instantly, you know, unless you really need that kind of a jump. And then you can do it. So you can, so you can do it instantly or you can do it gradually. Right. And your higher self, which I'm acknowledging, is always there, knows what's best for you. So you, even if you feel like, I don't know what I'm doing, there's a part of you that does. There's a, that still small voice within that people talk about. You know, that's your, your high self, your very high level conscious agency that knows that, like, you've got this, you're going to get this. When you do this kind of work, do you yourself have any psychic abilities? Um, I often get uh, insights because I'm asking how good can it get that I'm getting little nudges like um, like I'll, I'll, it, I've got a standing order, an invitation if you will like like what's the next best thing for me to be focusing on and doing right now? And so I'll be getting like a steady stream of intuitive insights. So that's how I utilize my psychic abilities. Sometimes, I'm guided to do things that seem like that makes no sense. But then mm -hmm. I know, well, then I probably should definitely do that because of course it makes no sense. That means I'm being pulled out of the this one timeline and into another one where I get to help somebody and I wouldn't have been there if I wasn't doing this thing I never do. It's like, oh, I see. So now it's I'm here so I can see this person I wouldn't have seen otherwise. Mm. So it's, it's good to trust those little nudges tricky though yeah very can, tricky they always yeah. question my i always question myself I question, right i question my decisions i question everything right that's okay and then i end up getting nothing done well i know but if you get that little nudge like doing something different then what i'll i'll do like a devil's advocate thing or i'll just say like mm -hmm. okay so my nudge is Instead of continuing and being on time for driving where I'm going, I pull over the car and park right now. And then there's a part of me like, um, like, why would I do that? The skeptic. And then the little devil's advocate. Well, why not? What's the worst thing? You know, it's like, so you're going to take a little detour. Like, okay, I'll take a detour. And then like, okay, now I park the car. Now what? Go in that bookstore. Like that bookstore. Why am I going there? I don't know. Let's just walk in. Like, okay, why not? You know? So I just keep, like, it's not going to cause any damage, so go ahead. And then I'm in the bookstore. Now what? Go downstairs. They have a downstairs, apparently. Okay, now what? Turn left. Okay, now what? Grab that book. And then I pull it out, and it's an autographed first edition copy of Michael Talbot's Holographic Universe. And I'm like, oh, my God. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so park the car. Go in this bookstore. Go downstairs. Stop here. Pull this book out. Oh, my God. And then I've got goosebumps. So when I do it, it's like, thank you. This is really cool. I, I love wish this. I had that kind of communication and that kind of guidance. Yeah, put it out there. Say, it. like, I need that. You know? I need that it, guidance. Yeah, because that's where the stuff, it's the oomph, the need, it's the root chakra stuff that brings it in. 
when you know you need it, then you'll get it. Fantastic. Well, um, so it's been a, a thank you again so much for earlier. You, you really mm-hmm. made a, a, in, an impact on me. And uh, I don't know. We'll see what the rest of this day brings. I don't know. Um, I don't know what to do. <laughs> but um, I, I'm really grateful to have you on today. It's been a rough morning for both of us trying to get this thing started. Um, and before we wrap it up, where's the best place for my listeners to find you? Uh, my website is realityshifters.com. And I've got a free monthly newsletter, so if people sign up for that, I'll send out one email a month. But I'm also on, on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. Those are the places I'm most active lately. And I've got a lot of YouTube videos. So if people are into that, then um, that's also good. I've also got a Substack going um, that I just started recently. But the whole center of the hub is realityshifters.com. And also got a shop. You can see the books that I've written, Quantum Jumps, Reality Shifts, Meditation CD, and I do life coaching, um, doing session work, working with people one-on-one. Awesome. I'll put a link to your website in those just episodes. My listeners can um, go there and buy some of your books, watch the videos. I've watched some of the videos, too. They're fantastic and they're all free, which is great. Um, and thank you so much for coming on today and, and, and just talking to me this morning. Oh, totally my pleasure. It's a blessing for me, too. Thanks. Thank you for doing all you do. Thank you. And this time we're actually going to close with the outro. <laughs> Yeah. Sure.